Welcome to the Commons Cast. We're glad you're here and we hope you find something meaningful in our teaching this week. Head to commons.church for more information. Uh, my name is Jeremy and I'm one of the people who hang out here. And you can probably tell my voice is a little weaker than normal. It's all right, I've got a bit of a cold, but I am loaded up with Dayquil and lozenges and tea. So we are ready to go for number two of four today. But uh, welcome. If you happen to be here because you joined us for Easter and you decided to come back, then we really want to extend a special welcome to you today. We know this is a busy place, but we are working very hard to make sure that we have enough room for everyone that needs to be part of our conversation here at Commons. And so welcome. Now you may have noticed on the wall here, when you came in, there were banners last week that said Easter Sunday, and today they say Easter Tide. And if you're wondering what that is about, Easter Tide is the 50-day celebration of resurrection that extends beyond Easter Sunday. And so all the while that spring is emerging and life is returning and resurrection is visible in a tangible way around us, the tradition of the church is that we would remind ourselves that we live in the light of resurrection. And so for these next few weeks, in some small way, I hope that when you come to church and you notice these Easter Tide banners, you might grab a hold of that truth in some small way that resurrection can't be contained by Easter. Now, part of our tradition here at Commons Church is also that we begin Easter Tide and we start with something together called Vision Sunday. And so this is our chance to talk about the coming year as we start our planning for the fall, but also this is a chance for us as individuals to reflect on our vision for ourselves in the light of resurrection. Easter can often be one of those moments where the story of God just seems incredibly vibrant and alive for us. And we don't want that tangibility to slip away too quickly. I think here of Ephesians where Paul writes, I pray that you, now being established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, I'll keep reading here in a second, but notice this. What is the power that Paul prays for? It's not the power to overthrow your enemies. It's not the power to turn things into gold. It's not even the power to magically make your children pay attention when you're talking, although that would be nice sometimes. Now, the thing that Paul prays for is the power to grasp just how infinitely loving God is. There is nothing in your life that will change it the way grace will. Not money, not opportunity, not being threatened with hell and judgment. Nothing will change you like becoming aware of the infinite grace that sits at the center of everything. Because once you understand that, like I mean, really get it, just how deeply loved you are, then you don't need to be selfish anymore. And you don't need to be guarded anymore. You won't need to attack first and put up your defenses. You won't need to seek out unhealthy practices to fill in unclosed wounds. Even Paul knew that do better doesn't work. Knowing that you are loved, this is what changes everything for us. And yet once Paul prays for us to grasp the power of God's love through Christ, this is what he says next. He says, to know this love that surpasses knowledge 
so that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. So it's actually not knowledge. It's more than that. It's something that sinks deep into your bones. But here's his big finale. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, we're going to talk about vision today. And we're going to talk about resurrection again today. But right now, in the seats in front of you, if you're in the pews, or perhaps later if you're in the overflow, we'll hand them out, there's a small circular white card which we are inviting you to imagine an Easter vision for yourself on. To write something on that and paste that on the wall, something that God is at work resurrecting within you. But here's the thing. Last Sunday, we talked about how resurrection is as much about imagination as it is anything else. In fact, standing in front of the resurrected Jesus, Mary Magdalene couldn't even see what she couldn't imagine. Her Lord returned to her. And here, Paul says, I pray that you have the power to grasp God's love because he wants to do not just more than you can think of. He wants to do more than you can imagine. That's what resurrection is about. Our lives being pulled into more than we can even imagine right now. And so the question today, the question of resurrection and Eastertide is, what is it that you can't imagine right now? Is it leaving your job to start the thing you've been dreaming about? Or at least taking steps in that direction? Is it falling in love with the person beside you the way that you were when you first met them? Is it carving out time every day to spend with your kids regardless of all the pressure at work? Is it being reconciled in a relationship that seems just irrevocably damaged? Is it sensing God's presence not just here with you in these moments but in those moments as well? Because whatever it is that seems impossible, those are exactly the types of things that are worth writing down and holding on to. Especially in a season like Eastertide. Because if there is any time to dream big, it is in the light of resurrection. Now, I've already preached a little mini-sermon here, but let's pray. And then today we want to talk about some church details first, where we're heading as a community. And then we want to dive into a moment of resurrection from the book of Acts. Let's pray. God of resurrection, of life returned and hope renewed, God of open arms and big dreams, would you help us to grasp just how significant your love for us really is? And in that, might we begin to let go of anything that hinders or splinters or fractures our connection to you? Help us to dream big dreams. But not just the dreams of things we want, might our dreams come from being immersed in your vision for us. Might they be the kind that pulls us into the future that you hope for, the kind that invite us to become the people you created us to be. And so God, where our priorities need to be flexed or fixed or completely reinvented, where our ideas, our goals, our aspirations need to be reoriented, Would you grant us wisdom that inspires us to see what is truly possible with you? 
God, do more than resuscitate us to the life that we had been living. Instead, resurrect us into something truly new and beautiful. In the strong name of the risen Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, it is Vision Sunday, and I want to return to the idea of God's vision for our lives, of resurrection, and this card that you are holding. But this is also a chance for us in our year to talk practically about our vision and strategy here as Commons Church. Because while our high-level imagination for Commons has not shifted since day one, the experience of the last two and a half years since we started has necessitated some strategic shifts. Uh, The fact is, there were over a thousand people here in this very limited space across four services last Sunday to celebrate resurrection. And the very simple truth is, we just never actually thought that many people would be interested in an intellectually honest, spiritually passionate church with Jesus at the center. That didn't sound sexy enough for us. But what this has meant is that we have often struggled to keep up with things. Now, last year, on this very Sunday, I also got up and I also apologized for the ways that we were struggling to stay on top of things. Since then, we have responded by making some very big investments. We've added Scott and Bobby to our team, and they've been amazing. Uh, We think they have fed so well into our team and culture, and everyone I talk to already appreciates what they've brought into our community. But last April, we were 650 people. Today, we're 1,000. And that means that we need to continue finding new ways to move forward. And so I want to talk about some of the very practical things that we're doing to adapt right now. First, one of the things we've done is completely rethought our website. Uh, Most of us interact digitally with Commons through social media, and that's great. Uh, Facebook and Instagram is where we've put most of our energy, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, We want to help foster your spiritual journey beyond Sunday wherever we can, and online is a part of that. However, we also know that when people are checking out Commons Church, they learn about us and they often do that through our website, commons.church. Very rarely does anyone ever show up at here on a Sunday without having watched a sermon online or read some about us on our website and have some idea of how we approach the Christian story, and that's great. The thing is, trying to communicate who we are is not necessarily the same thing as making it easy for you when you want to dig deeper into community or you want to get involved, you want to sign up for a dinner party or volunteer. And so what we've done is we've taken commons.church and we've redesigned it for people who are exploring. So sermons and service times, locations, all that jazz. And we've created a completely new website, commons.life, that is all about helping you take your next steps. So this is joining a home group or signing up to volunteer, or attending a dinner party. Anything beyond Sunday is going to be there at commons.life in as simple a way as possible so you can find exactly what you're looking for. Now, it works on your computer, but we've designed it for your phone. We know that that's how most people surf the internet these days. And we've even added some digital stations at the back, at the connection center, so that everything can be entered right there here in the building. We think there's less chance of us accidentally losing the paper or probably you know, entering your email incorrectly when we have to write it down. And so if you sign up for anything on a Sunday, our promise is we will get back to you by Tuesday. 
And you can hold us to that. If not, we will get you a free coffee from the coffee bar out there. That's a joke. They're always free. But we are committed to this. You can hold us to it, so we're going to do our best. Now, second, we are really focusing a lot of energy this year, again, on home groups and dinner parties. There are currently 27 different home groups meeting across the city, and that is amazing. But as new people come, new groups are needed because sermons are nice, but discussion and dialogue and the chance to bounce your ideas off someone you trust, that's where faith really comes alive. Uh, Rachel and I are part of a new group that just started this January. And already it is amazing to see the openness and vulnerability that has emerged when we gather together. That experience is already changing the way I think about Sundays and I love it. But let me admit this up front. Our group meets every three weeks. Now, we would like it to be weekly. Rachel and I could use a little time with adults once in a while. But there are something like 18 children between the grandchildren and children and the families that live closest to us. And so every three weeks was the best that we could honestly handle. And that's fine. Home groups are not for the people who have more time on their hands than they know what to do with. Yes, it will take some commitment. But this is something that we can work with you to make realistic for you. The truth is, life is busy for all of us, but that means we need each other more, not less. Now, the Dinner Party Network is a complement to this. Maybe you're new and you just want to meet some people, but you're not quite ready to commit to a home group. Great. Maybe you just love hosting people in your home. Awesome. Maybe you just actually believe that something mystical and spiritual happens when people gather around a dinner table. I do. Well, the Dinner Party Network is designed as a low-commitment, one-off way for us to get to know each other. To be in each other's homes, to begin those connections that grow in surprising ways. One of the things that I said in a sermon a few weeks ago that seemed to resonate with a lot of people is that I'm working really hard to focus on being more interested than I am interesting. And that's what the Dinner Party Network is all about. Believing that there are a thousand fascinating faces in this community. And I want to be fascinated in them. Now, finally, and this is of course our big one when it comes to vision, we are more committed to the idea of parish communities than ever before. This building was simply not built with a thousand people in mind. Now, it's amazing what we've been able to do with it. We have an incredible team of volunteers. Uh, I don't know if you know this, it actually took 76 people to make Easter Sunday work last week. And that was just one day. And our team does church four times every Sunday, every week, and I am so honored that I get to work with them. And honestly, if you don't volunteer, you are missing out. First, because these are amazing people. But second, I don't know if you know this, there is a whole second team of volunteers just to make breakfast for the first team of volunteers every Sunday morning. That's right. We have volunteers whose only job is to let the first group of volunteers know how much we appreciate them. However, four services on Sunday is getting close to the limit. Now, I just saw a few people flinch because I didn't rule out the possibility of a fifth, but you can breathe for a moment because our focus is very firmly on the launch of a new parish in a second community, in a second neighborhood within the next eight months. You see, we actually believe that a smaller church is a better church. Now, it's great to have the resources and scale that we do, but actually, 
smaller, tighter, closer communities. This is what each of us desperately need in our lives, and that's what we're working to create. And so in the meantime, until we're ready to go with phase two, and for those of us who know, we will be staying here in the Kensington Parish. Here's my advice. Forget the fact we have three other services. Forget the fact that a thousand people call Commons home. Focus on learning the stories of the people who attend when you do. One of the great things about having four services is that you can pick and choose as your schedule needs. But most of us end up with a pattern that works most of the time. My advice, pretend that your time is the only time. The size constraints of this building are not a problem. They're actually a blessing because they have kept us small and tight even as we've added new services. So celebrate that by learning the people and the names that sit beside you. Now that said, we are moving forward and we are focusing on the launch in a second neighborhood. And our focus first is on the core urban neighborhoods of the city. We think there's a gap of churches in the core of Calgary and we hope to have a location locked up within the next two months so we can communicate with you before the summer. We'll be looking to run practice services in that location by the fall to help work out the kinks and get ready. And then our plan is to launch a new parish church weekly in January 2018. Now remember, to do that, we will need a completely new team for kids and coffee and music. Our teaching team, including myself, will be rotating in and through both locations to teach live. And if you think you're pulled to something like this, you think perhaps the idea of a startup church is something you could get behind, then please talk to us. Talk to Scott, who's leading the project. Let us know. Get connected with the team that's already hard at work in the background making this happen. This might be your next great church adventure. And all of this is a risk, right? It's going to take something from each of us Uh, We need buy-in from the community, both in participation and financially, to make this work. And the truth is, we could fall on our face. I mean, we could sense God redirecting us at some point. We almost certainly will learn new things that we haven't thought of yet, but that's part of the beauty of church. That it is always facing forward. There is no such thing as a resurrected life that looks back. And given that it's Vision Sunday, and given that this is Eastertide, where the church traditionally focuses on the resurrected Christ, I want to use the time that we have left to focus on a story of encounter with that same forward-facing Jesus. Now, the book of Acts begins where the Gospels leave off. And it basically tells the story of the early church. It begins with Jesus resurrected, about to ascend to his father. But before he does, he has a series of encounters with his followers and friends. And so this is Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Now, I'll read in a moment, but I love this Jesus who comes back from the dead and can think of nothing better than to have a meal with his friends. I mean, that just seems like a guy you want to hang out with, doesn't it? I'd be doing talk shows and media appearances. This guy just wants to hang out with his friends and have a meal. 
But he says to them, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, at the end of Eastertide, there's something we call Pentecost Sunday, and this commemorates this moment Jesus is talking about here. But the disciples are all excited about this, and so they ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Part of what you have to understand here is that this is very loaded language. Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God for years now, and these guys still don't quite get it. Even after all of the parables in the Sermon by the Sea, we spent a month looking at those stories of the kingdom before Easter, now they ask, are you about to restore the kingdom to Israel, Jesus? They're still thinking of a nationalistic, geopolitical kingdom, a military theocracy with a king and a capital they can go and visit. But Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if the disciples' question was loaded, Jesus' words are coming straight out of a shotgun. Because not only are Judea and Samaria not friends, these are mortal enemies. At this time, um, the Jews would actually take off their sandals and wash their feet when they returned to Israel if they had even stepped on Samaritan soil. And now Jesus says, uh, listen, sorry guys, the kingdom isn't ever coming back to Jerusalem. The kingdom is moving out from Jerusalem. So yes, to answer your question, the kingdom has come. It's just not what you expected it to be. And this is an incredibly important moment in the story. Because resurrection is never just about bringing back what has died. Visions of a theocracy, visions of a kingdom, visions of a powerful country, all that died and Jesus says it needs to stay there. Sometimes some of our ideas and some of our experiences, some of the ways we have approached the world need to stay in the grave. Yes, of course, resurrection is about breathing life back into us, but that is just resuscitation. Resurrection is also about bringing something new and beautiful out of what has died. You can't go through life acting like the most interesting part of your story is behind you. That's not resurrection. And it's easy for us to say that right now, but if you think about this for a second, these are not just some guys trying to relive their glory days in high school. You know, back when they were popular and they still understood the music on the radio. No, these are actual human beings who spent time with, who ate with, who followed and spoke with Jesus. If there was ever a moment in history that was worth fighting to go back to, this was that moment. And Jesus says, no. I am resurrected. 
something new has come and resurrection means we need to keep moving forward. And perhaps Jesus would say to us, listen, I know there were good days. And I know that sometimes you feel like you were left behind. I get it. Sometimes the thing that you wish for most in the world is to go back to where you were when he was still with you. Or she still loved you before you knew this kind of pain even existed in the world. But resurrection is not about going back. It's about trusting in tomorrow. Resurrection is about believing beyond all reasonability that God brings beautiful things out of broken moments. That life really does come from death. And that history is actually inevitably moving forward into the embrace of God. That's resurrection. And so here, the resurrected Christ says to his friends, guys, it's okay, you can stay here for a time, heal and prepare, but you can't stay in Jerusalem forever. Because that's the past. And resurrection is pulling us forward into something new. Life needs to keep on living. And so as we are preparing for this next season together as a church, we don't know exactly what it will be. And it will be surprising, and at times it will catch us off guard, but we do know that it will be new, and it will be life-giving, and we will be guided by God, and so we're excited to move forward and discover. And at the same time, every single one of us here are being invited by God to experience resurrection in our lives right now. Not just resuscitation to something that was past, but resurrection into something new. Life where we thought there was death and hope where we thought it was gone, but part of that is believing that resurrection is always in front of you, calling you forward. And really, that's what Eastertide and what Vision Sunday are all about. That we might invite God to help us see not just where resurrection was, but where resurrection is leading us. God is not behind you cheering you on. God is in front of you, inviting you into new life. So my hope today is that you might sense God speaking something to you about your tomorrow. About where he wants to lead you, about where life is waiting for you to discover it, and about an imagination for your story that is bigger than the one that you started with when you came in here. And as insignificant as it seems, we want to invite you to write that vision down on the card that you were given. Something, some words that capture this emerging vision for where resurrection might be showing up in your life. And then we want you to post that on the wall in the gym for two reasons. One, so that you have some stake in that story. Some small anonymous note that you know you wrote. Because sometimes being on the record with ourselves is one of the most powerful ways we commit ourselves to a larger story. 
but second, so that together we can see the incredible breadth and depth of resurrection here in this community. See, I'm hoping that at the end of the day, when I look at this wall, I'm going to see resurrection visions that I never would have come up with on my own. And sure, with enough time and creative energy, I could come up with a thousand examples of where Christ might be at work. Marriages restored and relationships reconciled, books written and businesses started. But I'm hoping that together we can inspire each other into all kinds of new directions and possibilities. And that by watching each other, we might truly begin to grasp just how immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine God is willing to do. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray. But before that, I want to ask you to pray. To take a moment in silent reflection to listen to the voice of God. And begin to understand where he might be pointing out all of the possibility of resurrection in your life. Not just a return to what was, but something new that God is inviting you into. So listen for the voice of God, and then I'll pray in a moment. Resurrected Lord, as we enter into this season of Eastertide, this sustained reflection on new life returning to us, would we sense your Spirit speaking to us, not simply about life returned back to where it was, but new life emerging in and through our imaginations. Places where you are calling us and ideas that you are birthing within us. A vision for ourselves and our tomorrow that comes directly from our connection with you. God, we trust that you have an incredible vision for your kingdom and a part for each of us to play that you have created this incredible tapestry where each of us get to add our piece to the story and together it creates something so much bigger than each of us imagined on our own. But God, in those moments, when we hear your voice, would we take that, would we write it down, maybe on a piece of paper, but more importantly, somewhere deep in our heart so that we hang on to your voice And we keep moving forward even when hope seems to be lost and even when death seems to rear its head in our lives again. May we trust in resurrection, knowing that you are in front of us, inviting us to come and rest in your embrace. In the strong name of the risen Christ we pray. Amen. Now, what we're going to ask you to do is just take a moment here. If you haven't already, just write something out on that card that's meaningful for you about where God is calling you forward. Then please stick it on the wall before you leave, and we're going to capture that after all four services are done today. If you need someone to pray with you, perhaps even about this, just make your way up to the front. There'll be people who can meet you here to pray with you. But we will end as we always do with this. Love God. Love people. Tell the story. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. Thanks, everyone.